Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Shalom, greetings, welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Website can be found at www.scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to sign up for the beginner's videos for Biblical Hebrew. That's where you go to see the devotionals and all the articles. And that's also where you go to support the mission of truth. Scriptureandprophecy.com. There's also a tab at the top there that says Books by Sean, and that'll take you to the two books that I have on Amazon, which I'm going to be recommending that you take a look at both of those if you haven't already uh, throughout today's podcast, and it's for a reason, uh, because it's relevant to the conversations that we're going to be having today. Uh, just so you know, the books are extremely inexpensive. It's like 99 cents or $1.99 for the eBooks and uh, the, the one book about Passover is four ninety nine, and the book and the devotional book is nine ninety nine. So neither one of them are generating income for me. Um, they're priced basically as low as I can possibly price them so that they're accessible, uh, for everyone to be able to get their hands on, uh, because it's really about the mission of delivering the truth. But anyway, today, uh, well, first of all, let me go to that scripture that I, uh, started with to start to show with because it's been just something I've been thinking about recently. Uh, and I'm looking at Isaiah chapter 59. Let me, let me read verses 12 through 15 for you. He says, For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. And, trans and transgressing and lying against the Lord, and the departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, concerning, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Now, before I read the last verse, I want to read verse 15. Let me just kind of zero back in on verse 14. It reminds me of kind of the complaint of Habakkuk, right? Where he says, uh, why do you make me, you know, how long, Lord? How long are you going to make me look at iniquity, make me look at sin? Justice never goes forth. The law is slacked. And my faith is struggling, right? That's essentially what he's saying. He's looking at the world. Everything's on its head. Perverse judgment goes forth. The righteous are consumed by the wicked. Isaiah's painting a similar picture. He says, And judgment is turned away backwards. Justice stands afar off. Truth is fallen in the street. And equity cannot enter. We are living in a time when judgment is turned away backward, right? Because now everything good has been called evil, and everything evil and perverse and disgusting and filthy is now celebrated. 
So injustice stands afar off. And the truth about everything, any subject that you that is in the mainstream mindset, the truth of that subject is falling in the streets. And in fact, the very few that possess the knowledge of the truth on any topic are looked at and viewed at as people who need to be done away with, need to be canceled, need to be destroyed. Verse 15, the following verse says, Yea, truth faileth, right, which it does, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. You see, we're also living in a time where truth fails, where the truth falls in the street, and if you, if you depart from evil, meaning so you say, I'm not going to be a part of this, I'm not going to believe this. I'm not going to do this. That's wrong. You set yourself apart, which you should do because you are to be holy, because he is holy, which means set apart. And now you've become a prey. Now you've become something the world wants to do away with. That scripture has just been jumping out to me because I've been thinking this is so relevant to the times that we're living in. We have come to a place in society where truth faileth, it falls in the street, and those who depart from evil have made themselves a prey as a result. But the verse continues and says, And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. You see, the Lord sees what's going on. He's not oblivious to it, and he's not happy about it. And I believe he's going to do something about it very, very soon. This week's uh, prophet portion is actually uh, 1 Kings, and it's 10 verses, chapter 7, 40 through 50. Not really exciting at all. Uh, We're going to read it. Um, But then I thought we would also read the gospel portion for this week, which happens to be John, chapter 13, 1 through 19, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet and then we have Luke 16, 1 through 13, which deals with the parable of the dishonest manager. Now, the washing of the apostles' feet happens to take place right around the feast of Passover, Pasek, which we are coming up on very soon within the next couple of weeks. And of course, as always, Lord willing, I will be doing our usual study of Pasek. And that's why I recommend that you pick up the booklet that I made last year that I covered with all of you guys. And it's called, actually, let me get to it. Let me click on this link here. Again, if you go to scriptureandprophecy.com, you click on books by Sean. It's called Passover 2020. Could this be the year of the next great exodus? Now, obviously, we're not in 2020 anymore, but all the information in there, uh, except for maybe the one chapter about the year 2020, is relevant to us right now. And so... Uh, if you haven't picked up the, the the Kindle version is only 99 cents. It's super inexpensive. You don't have to get it. I'm going to cover all the information that's in it when we get to our PASIC study in a couple of weeks, but you might just find it interesting to look over that. Uh, so I wanted to, to bring that up and let you know that that's still, the information in there is still very, very relevant. Um, and we'll be talking more about Pasek as we get closer. Before I dig into the prophets portion and the gospel portion, which won't take us long at all, I thought we could look at a couple of end-time headlines. Some things have been standing out to me. 
Now, if you've li- listened to this podcast for a very long time, you know that one of the main speculations that I've had going back even seven years ago, before much of the things we've seen now even began, I speculated that the day would come when genetic modification would be the topic. And I believe, and I've written it in my devotional, uh, the End Times devotional, that the Mark of the Beast will have a genetic component, which is why those who take the Mark of the Beast cannot be redeemed. I saw an article today. I'm not going to read the article. I'm just going to give you the headline. It says, End of Aging and Cancer? Question mark. Scientists unveil structure of the immorality enzyme uh, tolmerize. And basically, what they're saying is through genetic, genetic modification, they believe they can stop aging and stop cancer. And even the new vax that's out there is uh, deals with genetics, right? It's not actually traditional a traditional vax. It, it just does something with your DNA. Very troubling in my mind. And I think we're seeing the stage set. I think we're seeing the mindset created to, hey, to be able to do commerce, to be able to fly, to be able to travel, to be able to go to a concert, to be able to go to a ball game. You need to take these steps. You need to have these papers, which is setting the mindset and the standard for what I think ultimately will eventually become the mark of the beast. I mean, it's so easy to see. You don't have to be a genius. Matter of fact, if you go back to the podcast that I was doing last March when all this nonsense first started, I said, here's the end game. And it's happened exactly like that thus far. And I expect it to continue. So I bring up that article just to say, keep an eye out. More and more you're going to see genetic modification becoming the way of the future, the way to end disease, the way to end aging, etc., etc. Another headline here says apocalyptic locust plague turns sky black as swarms ravage the Middle East. If you remember, this has been this kind of thing has been going on for a couple of years now where it's just plagues of locusts in the Middle East just wreaking havoc, plagues of locusts in Africa just wreaking havoc. And uh, it continues. It continues. The last thing I wanted to bring up is the narrative that I've seen pushed a lot lately. Like, a lot lately in the last couple months. Like, they're ramping up for something uh, in regards to this. Let me give you just a few headlines, and then I'll read a little bit from an actual article. Here's one headline. Critical update. Let's talk about UFOs. Right? Another headline. Mothership. Surrounded by UFO fleet caught on video over San Bernardino, California. Another headline. More unexplained UFO sightings emerge following American Airlines encounter. And if you haven't uh, heard about that, I'm getting ready to... I think uh, the article I'm getting ready to cover dives into that. So here's kind of the article I want to read through for you this morning. It says, Are the recent UFO disclosures setting us up for a mass deception of epic proportions. One thing's for sure, the populace by and large is already massively deceived about almost everything. 
and I personally continue to find myself just shocked at how easily the populations are manipulated and how easily they, the hive mind just buys into whatever the magic black screen is telling them. It's incredible. It's incredible. And sometimes I think they do things that are so ridiculous just to see if the populace is really dumbed down that much to do it. Um, I'm not going to go into all the examples because even there, even amongst Christians, there's the dumbed downness that's taking place. And I don't want to get into all that right now. Let me just look at this article real quick. Here's what it says. It says, have you noticed that UFO sightings have been in the news a lot lately? Even in the midst of all the other big events that are happening, evidence of mysterious objects flying through the skies continue to make headlines. In particular, one American Airlines pilot says he saw a really shaking... What he saw is really shaking a lot of people up. According to the radio transmission that was intercepted from American Airlines Flight 2292, a pilot claims that he witnessed a long cylinder object that almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing fly at a very high speed right over the top of his aircraft. Here's, uh, I think, a little snippet from the cockpit audio. It says, do you have any targets up here? We just had something go right over the top of us, a pilot can be heard saying. I hate to say this, but it looked like a long cylinder, cylinder object that almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast over the top of us. This got so much attention that officials of the American Airlines were forced to address it. They put out a statement in which they confirmed the radio transmission did actually come from Airlines Flight 2292. And the FBI has also publicly announced that it is aware of the reported incident, but the agency has not provided any additional details. Of course... This sort of thing is happening a lot these days. In fact, the U.S. Sun has just put out an article documenting a string of strange incidents involving passenger jets in recent months. In the old days, the U.S. government would go to great lengths to deny anything unusual was happening in our skies, but over the past couple of years, the government officials have started to change their tune. For example, last year, the Pentagon released footage of a Navy fighter pilot's encounter with a UFO. I'm just skimming through the article here. And that's kind of... It doesn't really get too much more detail other than just to elaborate further on the fact that there's just report after report after report that's becoming mainstream, that's being kind of confirmed by government and airlines about UFOs. And so, of course, I believe that the UFO narrative, based on the way it's pushed on the public... The way it's pushed in movies and uh, all the all the propaganda pieces, there's no doubt in my mind that that's going to be a piece to their puzzle here in the future, as far as deceiving people about who you are and where you come from, and is there a god and all of those things. So be on the lookout. I think the next couple of years, there'll be two major themes of deception. Number one, genetic modification. And they'll be telling you how great of an idea that is. 
Number two, we're not alone. There's aliens. Okay? That's the two narratives, the two great deceptions that I expect to see pushed even more and more over the coming years. All right. I don't know if any of that information was useful or entertaining or any of that, but uh, I just thought I would share it with you this morning. Let me read First Kings. This is this is our prophets portion for the week, and then I'm just going to quickly move into the gospel portion for this week. Here's what First Kings seven forty through fifty. I'm just going to read it right off of the torportions.org page, which I think is the ESV version. Here's what it says: Haram also made the pots the shovels, the basins. So Haram finished all the work that he did for the king Solomon on the house of the Lord. Two pillars, the two bowls of the capitals that were on the tops of the pillars, and the two lasset works to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were on the tops of the pillars. And 400 promagannets of two lasset works, two rows of promagannets for the each lasset work to cover the two bowls of the capitals that were on the pillars the ten stands and the ten basins on the stands, and the one sea and the twelve oxen underneath the sea. Now the pots, the shovels, the basins, all the vessels in the house of the Lord, which Haram made for the king Solomon, were of burnished bronze. In the plain of the Jordan, the king cast them in the clay ground between Sukkoth and Zareth, Zarethon. And Solomon left all the vessels unweighed, because there were so many of them, the weight of the bronze was not ascertained. So Solomon made all the vessels that were in the house of the Lord, the golden altar, the golden table for the bread of presence, the lampstand of pure gold, five on the south side, five on the north, before the inner sanctuary, the flowers, the lamps, the tongs of gold, the cups, snuffers, basins, dishes for incense, and firepans of pure gold, and the sockets of gold. For the doors of the innermost part of the house, the most holy place, and for the doors of the nave, nave of the temple. And that is the prophet's portion for this week. That's uh, that's what they've put on the schedule every single year. Uh, just so you know, it goes along with two uh, Torah portions. It's one of those weeks where there's two Torah portions, which deals with Exodus chapter 35 all the way through Exodus 40. And it happens to be the, the Torah portion where there's the making of the table for the bread of presence, the making of the land stands, the, the altar of the incense. So it's all those instructions that the Israelites receive from God about constructing the tabernacle. And then you fast forward many, many years later, and you have the Temple of Solomon. And he's having the exact same things made as according to the law as it was given. The making of the oil and the incense, the making of the altar, the burnt offering, uh, the materials of the tabernacle. All of those things being constructed. And so that's why that prophet's portion is not very long and why it seems like, hey, this is kind of a random thing. Ideally, through the week, you would read both the Torah portion and the prophet's portion throughout the week. Right, You would make time to read all of that, and they coincide with one another. Okay, uh, So that's what that's all about. So if you have the time this week, you're looking for something to study, go read the prophets portion this week, which is Exodus 35 through Exodus 40. Um, and then read 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 40 through 50, and that'll give you a picture of this week's portion. 
Now, I want to switch gears and move on to the gospel portion. Now, the gospel portion is not something that was really done throughout history. Uh, it's just something that the TorahPortions.org puts together. And uh, so I think it's uh, it's really something we should have been doing along with our prophets portion all along, but we haven't been, and that's my fault. Uh, because the prophets portions aren't very long, so we could have easily done this. Let's read the first part, 19 verses. And that's John chapter 13, 1 through 19. And then we'll read part 2. Here's what the gospel portion has to say. Now there, now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. So this is the time of Passover, right? Something that we need to be thinking about a lot about. We need to be pondering on and dwelling on over the next few weeks how Jesus came and was the Passover lamb, the lamb without spot or blemish, who covered our sins, who just like when the death angel went through Egypt and he saw the lamb's blood on the doors and he passed over them. That's the similar picture of what Christ has done for us. Let's continue reading this segment here. Verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. He rises from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So first, Jesus is making that point, hey, if I don't clean you, you will not be able to take part with me, right? Second thing that's interesting to note is that, number one, the devil, it says, had put it in Judas's heart to do this thing. Showing that Satan does have power, and if he's allowed to by God, he does have the ability to do such a thing. And Jesus, knowing all this, still grabbed a towel and washed all the disciples' feet, which we could assume also included Judas. Of course, Peter doesn't want him to wash his feet. That's understandable. But Jesus is making a point here that you have to be cleansed. And then Peter goes on to say, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore he said, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and taken his garment, he was set down again, and he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you should do as I have done to you. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but, that's, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He that eateth the bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Now, you've heard me say, I don't believe that prophecy is so that you know the future. It's so that when the future happens, you have faith, right? You say, oh, our God is the God who dares predict the future. Jesus makes that similar statement here. He says, I'm telling you, talking about Judas and the betrayal and all that, he says, now I tell you before it comes that, so here's the why, when it comes to pass, you may believe that I am he. He's saying, here's the purpose of this. Me telling you in advance, you getting a know in advance, so that when you see it happen, you'll believe. There's a second part to the gospel portion today. It's called Luke 16, 13 verses. Let me read this and then we'll be done. And he said also unto his disciples, this is the parable of that of the rich man, right? There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and he said unto him, How is it that I hear this, this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer a steward. So we have the master and the servant here, right? And the master gets wind that the servant has wasted his goods. He's been a terrible steward. And now he's saying, all right, it's time to take inventory of what you've done. Verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. I cannot beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his lord's debtors unto him, and he said unto the first, How much does thou owe us, my lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write fourscore. And the lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. That's such an important line. By the way, the, the moral of the story is not congratulations, you should be evil, or you should do evil things. There's two morals of the story here. And here's, verse 8 is so important. It says, and, the, and this is so, unfortunately, this is, this is true in many cases. By the way, this, this wisdom is not a blanket statement, but it is a general thought. And the Lord commended the unjust servant because he had done wisely. For the children of this world in their generation are wiser than the children of light. And this is, in so many, in so many ways, this can be true. I know a lot of pe people who aren't Christians but who are more awake to what's going on in the world than the Christians are. In many cases. Verse 9, he says, I say unto you, Make to yourselves friends of mammon and unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. 
He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Okay, here's the real moral of the story. Verse 10 explains it. He that is faithful in that which is least, so the person who's faithful in the little things and the little details will also be faithful in much, the scriptures say. So you can trust the person who does all the little tiny things to the best that they can. They're faithful in that because that's how they'll treat the big things. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. You can also expect the person who doesn't care about the little things, can't be bothered with the little things, they're not going to give the best effort even with the big thing. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? This, hopefully you're getting the point that Jesus is making. First, he says, if you're not going to be faith, if you're faithful in a little bit, you'll be faithful in much. If you're not faithful in a little bit, you won't be faithful in much. And if you can't be faithful in something unrighteous like money, right? If you can't even be faithful with the unrighteous thing that doesn't really have high spiritual value or anything, how can something be committed to your trust that's actually important? Are you catching that? Who will commit to your trust the true riches, he says. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? What about at your job? Are you faithful? Are you doing your best even with the little details, the little things that you're supposed to do? Jesus is saying, if you can't be trusted with the things of men that are someone else's, who shall give you that which is your own? And then he finishes with, No servant can serve two masters. We all know the scripture. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So maybe we should dwell on that this week. Am I being faithful in the little details? Can God trust me with my own mission that he might give me if I can't even be faithful in that which belongs to a man? And remember that you can't serve both. You can't have the pursuit of money and serve God. It's going to, it's going, the pursuit of money is going to taint your pursuit of the kingdom. Instead, Jesus says, look, don't even worry about those things. Instead, just seek the kingdom of God and these other things will be added to you. See, it's backwards from what we're taught, especially in the United States of America, which is, you know, pursue the dollar, the career. It's all about, you know, advancement, position, power, and money. And Jesus is saying you can't do that and serve God at the same time. You just can't. But if you seek the kingdom first, that's your priority. The things that you need what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. That's all going to be taken care of. Let it be true with us. Well, that is the podcast. I know it was completely random today and just all over the place, and I hope that that's okay. I pray that you've been blessed this morning. I really do. 
I pray before I do the podcast and I just ask God to give me the words to speak and and I hope that that's what's coming through the microphone. And so hopefully your hearts have been pierced, you feel closer to God, and you feel encouraged and lifted up by His Word. That's all I have for you. I pray you have a great weekend. And Lord willing, I'll be back with you again next week. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.